Welcome to the podcast, I'm your host Remy, a computerized animated voice. This is Simple Reflections of Christianity, where we look at the issues of Christianity in today's world and seek the wisdom of our peers from antiquity. And we do all this in plain English for the average person. Too often issues are spoken with scholarly jargon and thus making it inaccessible to the average person. We are not all working on our PhDs here. So, the scriptural references will be from the authorized version Cambridge 1873 King James unless otherwise stated. Many, of the references will be the peers of antiquity who spoke on the topics we will have in our discussions. Thank you for joining in and of course please like, subscribe and follow for more message like this. We can all learn a thing or two from the saints who have gone before us. And we can also see the errors which have popped their ugly head up as well. Thanks again and welcome to Simple Reflections of Christianity podcast with me Remy, you host. The son of Robert Clarkson, he was born at Bradford, Yorkshire, where he was baptized on March 3, 1622. His brother, William Clarkson, held the sequestered rectory of Adel, Leeds, and died not long before the restoration. His sister was married to Sharp, uncle of Bishop John Sharp and father of Thomas Sharp, the ejected minister. He was educated at Clare Hall, Cambridge and by virtue of a warrant from the Earl of Manchester was admitted fellow on May 5, 1645, being then B.A. Clarkson had pupils until March 26, 1650, among them John Tillotson, who succeeded him in his fellowship about November 27, 1651. Clarkson obtained the perpetual curacy of Mortlake, Surrey, and held it till his ejection by the Uniformity Act 1662. After two decades of covert movement he became, in July 1682, colleague to John Owen as pastor of an independent church in London, and on Owen's death in the following year he succeeded him as sole pastor. He died rather suddenly on June 14, 1686, and his funeral sermon was preached by William Bates. Of Taking Up the Cross by David Clarkson Whosoever doth not bear his cross, and come after me, cannot be my disciple. Luke 14 27 These are the words of Christ. The occasion of them you may see, bear. 25 He seeing multitudes following him, takes occasion to tell them upon what terms they must follow him, if they would follow him to purpose. Lest any of them should deceive themselves, and think that a bare outward profession of Christ would be sufficient, a safe, easy, external following him would serve their turn, he tells them what he did expect from every one that would be his follower and disciple. It was not so safe and easy a thing to be a Christian as they might suppose. It would cost them more than they did imagine. He deals plainly with them, and lets them know the worst of it. If they would be his disciples, his followers, Christians indeed, they must be so upon these and these terms, which he expresses in two propositions. 1. They must leave all for him. They could not follow him, unless they were content to forsake all to follow him, there. 26. If any man seem willing to be a disciple of mine, he must have such an affection to me as to hate all other things for my sake, otherwise I will never own him, he is but a pretender, he is not, he cannot be a Christian indeed. But has Christ no disciples but such as these? Are none Christians but upon these terms? Alas! Who then is a Christian? Who then can be saved? Can none be disciples of Christ but those that will hate their dearest relations, their best worldly enjoyments, yea, their own lives, for Christ's sake? Will he own none, will he admit none to follow him, but upon these terms? Sure this is sigma kappa lambda rho omicron sigma lambda gamma omicron sigma, 
This is a hard saying indeed, who can bear it? Why, but thus it is, Christ will admit none to be his disciples, he will own none for Christians, upon other terms than he here expresses. Only you must not mistake. He requires not that you should hate these relations absolutely, for that would be to contradict his own law, the law of God and nature, which requires natural affection. But this is it which he requires, you must hate them. In effect, you must as freely part with them for Christ's sake, as Iphiu did hate them. You must be as willing to relinquish them, when he requires it, as you are to part with a thing that you hate. You will part with a hated thing freely, readily, cheerfully, even so must you part with your relations, enjoyments, and life too, not out of hatred to them, but leave them all as readily, when Christ calls, as if you did hate them. To hate them here, is freely to forsake them for Christ's sake. And so it is expressed, Matt. 1929. Part with them as freely for Christ, that the world may judge you do hate them, because you quit them so easily, without murmuring, repining, reluctancy. Comparatively. You must love Christ more than all these, more even the dearest of these, and show you do so indeed by quitting all of them, rather than forsake, or dishonor, or displease Christ. If you do not, you love these more than Christ, Matt. 1037. He that loveth father or mother more than me, is not worthy of me. And to love anything more than Christ, is to hate him. A less degree of love is called hatred in Scripture, Genesis 29 30, 31. Because he loved Leah less than Rachel, he is said to hate her. Even as you may be said to hate your relations, enjoyments, lives, when you love them less than Christ, so much less as you will be content to part with them for his sake, whenever he requires it. And in this sense you must be able to hate them, or else you cannot be the disciples of Christ, or else you are not Christians, for upon these terms, and no other, will he own you for such. The second proposition, wherein he expresses upon what terms we must be disciples, is in the text, there. 27. It is not enough to part with all, but you must be willing to suffer all, to undergo sufferings not only privative, but positive, the cross includes the former and something more. It signifies all afflictions for Christ's sake. It denotes all sufferings, calamities, torments, even those that are most ignominious and most grievous, in allusion to those sorrows and tortures which Christ on the cross suffered for his people. Whoever does not bear these, he is not, he cannot be, a disciple, i.e., he that does not actually bear the cross when it is laid upon him, or he that is not fully resolved to bear it, how heavy and grievous soever it may be, whenever it shall be laid upon him, he is not, he cannot be, a disciple of Christ. A disciple, what is that? Why, he cannot be a Christian. A disciple and a Christian are all one, Acts 11:26. A disciple of Christ is one that gives up himself to be wholly at Christ's disposing, to learn what he teacheth, to believe what he reveals, to do what he commands, to avoid what he forbids, to suffer what is inflicted by or for him, in expectation of that reward which he hath promised. Such a one is a disciple of Christ, and he, and none else, is a Christian. Such as these, who give up themselves to be taught and governed by Christ in all things, were at first called disciples, and afterwards at Antioch they were called Christians, they are two names of the same persons. Many descriptions you have of them in Scripture, and here you have them described by one of their essential properties. Christiani Sant Cruciani, says Luther, Christians are cross-bearers. So they are always, though they be not always in a suffering condition, they ever bear the cross, either quod actum or quod propositum. It is in their hearts to bear the cross, whatever it be, 
whensoever Christ shall require it, and they do actually bear it whenever they are called to it. They do not flinch from it, nor decline it, nor turn from it, by any indirect or unlawful course. They had rather lose all they have in the world, and suffer all that an enraged world can inflict on them, than deny any truth of Christ, or decline any way of Christ, or commit any sin against Christ. This is their temper, their practice, who are Christians. And those who are otherwise disposed, let them call themselves what they will, they are not Christians. Nor can they be Christians upon any other terms. They have not given up themselves to Him, they have no interest in Him, they can have no benefit by Him, they shall have no reward from Him. So that you see the words contain the terms upon which you must be Christians, if you will be Christians indeed, and not in name and show, and profession only. They afford us this. Abs. He that doth not, will not bear the cross, he is not, he cannot be, a Christian. He that is not ready to suffer for Christ, he is none of Christ's disciple. You cannot be Christians upon lower, upon easier terms, than bearing the cross, and undergoing sufferings for him. So Christ himself tells us over and over, Matt. 1038, He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me, is not worthy of me. Not worthy of me, I, e, he is not for my turn. If he pretend to be one of mine, he does but disparage me, he deals unworthily with me. It was never my intention, nor is it for my honor, to own any who are not content to undergo the sorest and heaviest afflictions and calamities for my sake. He speaks again, Matt. 16:24. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me. Let no man offer to follow me unless he be resolved to follow me in this posture, unless he will follow me under the cross. A third evangelist tells us the same thing, Mark 8:34. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me. And once more we have it, Luke 9:23. To follow Christ, and to be a disciple of Christ, is all one, for scholars or disciples do not go before, but follow their masters. And to be a Christian is all one as to be a follower of Christ. As the scholars or disciples of Plato, Aristotle, Galen, Paracelsus, are called their followers, so the disciples of Christ, or Christians, are the followers of Christ, those that follow his doctrine, and are as ready to follow him in his sufferings. And those that will be Christians indeed must thus follow him daily, take up the cross daily, always, continually, every day. But how can this be? Let this be noted, lest any of you should think this truth unseasonable at this time, how can the cross be taken up daily, since every day does not trouble us with the cross? The people of God have some lucida intervalla, some times of joy and peace. The rod of the wicked doth not always lie upon them. Though a great part of their voyage through the world be stormy and tempestuous, yet now and then they may have calm, and serene, and halcyonian times. This is true, and yet the cross must be taken up daily. It must be taken up actually every day when providence brings it to us. And those days of peace and security, when it is not brought to us, we cannot take it up actually indeed but even every of those days must the cross be taken up in the preparation and disposition of the mind, it must be in your hearts to bear the cross every day, even when it is not actually laid upon you. So that this concerns you every day while you are in this world, if you be concerned every day to show yourselves Christians. Let me a little more particularly explain to you what is meant by the cross, and what by bearing of it. 1. The cross includes loss and damage, the greatest losses as well as least, the loss of all outward things, as well as the loss of any. 
When Christ was nailed to the cross, he was bereaved of all and fastened to it naked, he had not so much as his garments left, they who brought him to the cross divided these amongst them. He that is not willing to part with all, to follow Christ, when he cannot fully and faithfully follow him without quitting all, he is not worthy of him, unworthy the name of a Christian. He that is not content, when he is called to it, to be separated from nearest friends and dearest relations, to part with his country and habitation, to be stripped of his estate and outward accommodations, to be deprived of his liberty, and what else is dear to him in this world, he is not for Christ's turn, he cares for no such followers. The foregoing verse leads us to this particular there. 26 If any man come to me, and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. He that is not content to follow Christ, so as to leave all these behind him, he does not follow him as a disciple, as a Christian, for he that is a Christian indeed, he loves Christ above all, but he that will not part with relations, estate, country, liberty, for Christ's sake, he loves them better than he loves Christ, for that a man loves most which he will least part with. He that will not part with them all rather than sin against Christ, has not the love of a disciple for Christ, and so is not indeed a Christian. It speaks shame and reproach. It was servile supplicium, a base, ignominious suffering, to which none were exposed but the vilest of men. It was a suffering proper to slaves and fugitives, there was not the meanest freeman amongst the Romans but was above it. Hence shame and the cross are joined together, Hebrews 12 2. Hence that expression, Hebrews 13 13, bearing his reproach, I, e, bearing the cross. No coming to Christ but in this posture, when the Lord calls to it. He that is not content to bear the scorn and contempt of an insolent world, he that cannot be content to be jeered and derided, to be vilified and set at naught even by vile persons, to be abused and reviled, even for doing good to those that so abuse him, to be made the scorn of men and reproach of the people, as Christ was, to be counted as the filth and off scouring of all things, pi epsilon rho iota psi mu alpha tau alpha and pi epsilon rho iota kappa alpha theta rho mu alpha tau alpha, as the apostles were. He that cannot, will not digest this when he meets with it in the world for Christ's sake, he is not fit to be a disciple of Christ, for we cannot be his disciples upon other terms. It imports pain and torture. The cross was a most grievous and painful suffering. Ausonius calls it peni extremum, the extremity of torture. And Cicero, crudalissimum teterimum supplicium, the most cruel and horrid suffering. If you be not content to bear the hatred and cruelty of an enraged world, to endure any pains and tortures, the most exquisite torments that the malice of man can invent, or their cruelty execute, rather than deny Christ or his truth, rather than leave his ways and worship, never think of being Christians, never take on you the name of his followers, you cannot be his disciples upon other or easier terms. When Ignatius was going to be exposed to the fury of wild beasts for the name of Christ, he cries, Nu nu ro chi omicron mu alpha iota mu alpha theta eta tau sigma nu alpha iota, now I begin to be a disciple. It imports death itself. The cross was ultimum supplicium, the last thing that could be suffered. Cruelty was herein terminated, and could go no further, at least to the sense of the sufferer. It was the worst kind of death. Illamort nihil pegis inter omnium mortium genera. Of all kinds of death there was none worse than this, Phil. 2-8, that humbled himself to the death of the cross. To no less than death, and the worst kind of death. If you be not willing to die for Christ, and to die the worst kind of death, to drink up this cup, 
and to be baptized with this baptism when his cause and honor and interest requires it, to drink up the cup of death, and to be baptized in your own blood, rather than be disobedient or unfaithful to him, if your hearts cannot say as the apostle, neither count I my life dear, that I may win Christ. Acts 20:24. I am not only ready to be bound, but, Acts 24:13. to die, whenever and wherever he shall require it, not only ready to sacrifice my name and reputation, but my person for Christ, not only ready to suffer some pain and torment, but to suffer death, rather than the honor and truths, and worship of Christ should suffer by me, not only ready to part with relations, liberty, country enjoyments, but to part with my life whenever he calls for it. If this be not the resolution of your hearts, you are not his disciples, for this he requires of all, there. 26. He that does not hate his life, I, e, is not as free to part with it for Christ as if he hated it, he loves his life more than Christ, and he will never count them Christians, whatever they may count themselves, who love anything, though it be life itself, more than him, or equally with him. Thus you see what the cross is. Let us inquire what it is to bear it. Bearing the cross supposes or includes these four things. 1. You must make account of it. If you will follow Christ indeed, make account you will meet with the cross. This Christ presseth and illustrates by two similitudes in the verses following the text, from 28 to 34. To taking upon you the profession of Christ, without casting up what it is like to cost, that which is like to prove both shameful and dangerous in the issue. If you make account of better fare in following Christ than you are like to meet with, you will go near to repent your bargain, to tack about to save yourselves, and so come off with shame and ruin in the issue, and make it appear that whatever you did profess, you were never Christians in reality. Sit down, then, and cast up what it is like to cost you. If you will give up yourselves to Christ entirely, to follow Him in all His ways seriously and closely, and faithfully, you are like to meet with all the hatred, and opposition, and hard usage that He expected from the implacable enmity of hell and the world. I must look to meet with many a bitter taunt and jeer. I am like to be hated, scorned, reviled, and reproached, and trampled on in the world. I may have trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. It may cost me the loss of all that is dear to me in the world, relations, liberty, country, estate, yea, life and all. You must make account of this beforehand, if you mean to be Christians indeed. And then see what your hearts say to it. Can you endure this, or can you not? If not, your profession of Christ is vain. If you promise yourselves ease, safety, respect, plenty, and a quiet enjoyment of what is grateful to the flesh, and think the cross will not come near you, or at least fall so heavy on you, but you may be able by one shift or other to avoid it well enough, if this be your temper, though you may make fair shows, you are never like to hold out, and so had better never pretend to be Christians. He is far from following Christ under the cross, who does not so much as make account of it. A resolution to bear the cross, whatever it be, how heavy or grievous or tedious soever it may prove, a firm and hearty and settled resolution to bear it, is a virtual bearing of it beforehand, bear. 33. Whosoever he be that is not resolved to part with all that is dear to him, to undergo all that is grievous to him, rather than flinch from Christ his cause, truth, worship, interest, whatever he seem to be, he is no disciple indeed, he is far from bearing the cross as becomes a follower of Christ, who is not yet come to a point so is so resolved to bear it without dispute, doubting, or hesitation, whatever come of it. When the account is cast up, this and this it will cost thee, this and this thou must part with, these and these things thou must suffer, if thou wilt be Christ's disciple, 
and then the question is put, Wilt thou give up thyself to him on these terms? Wilt thou take him for better and worse? Wilt thou follow him through good report and evil report? Wilt thou make after him, though stripped and wounded, and overwhelmed with shame and reproach? Wilt thou follow him through fire and water, yea, through the valley of the shadow of death? Wilt thou follow him alone, though all forsake thee, though no friends or relations may accompany thee? When the question is put, he that is a Christian indeed will resolve on it fully and freely. In retam necessaria non est deliberandum. I need not take time to think upon this, I am at a point, I will follow Christ whatever befall me, though my way lie through poverty and banishment and prisons, and solitude and pains, and tortures and scorn and contempt or death itself. I will never leave him, I will never turn aside from him, let Satan and the world do their worst. He resolves to follow him as Ruth did Naomi, when her mother-in-law tried to divert her by so many arguments, and such as prevailed with her sister to turn back, Ruth 1 16-18. She was steadfastly minded to cleave to her in her poor, forlorn, desolate condition. Such a resolution is, by interpretation, of bearing the cross before it come. So Abraham is said to offer up his son Isaac, though he was not actually sacrificed, Hebrews 11:17, because he did fully purpose and resolve to do it, it was in his heart to do it. Though he was not sacrificed upon the altar, yet he was already offered up in his heart. To be fully, heartily resolved to bear it, is a kind of bearing it before it comes. And in this sense there may be many martyrs who never suffered death for Christ. If they be so resolved to die for Christ as nothing hinders but want of opportunity, they are martyrs in heart, though not in act, the Lord accepts the will for the deed in such cases. When the mind is so resolved on it as nothing hinders the deed but want of a call or an occasion, the Lord looks on it if it were done. A disciple thus resolved to bear the cross, will be accepted as one that bears it, though it be not actually laid on him. But he that has not come up to this full and sincere resolution to part with all, to suffer all for Christ, he is not so much as a Christian intentionally, he is not, he does not intend to be, a disciple of Christ, whatever he may pretend to. You must be always ready for the cross, always preparing for it, whether it seem near, or whether it seem further off. One paraphrase at the words thus, Whosoever doth not come to me with a preparation of mind to suffer anything rather than part with me, he is not for my turn. This is to bear the cross daily, as Christ requires, Luke 9. Though every day do not afford a cross, yet every day we bear the cross by daily preparing for it, 1 Corinthians 15 31. I protest by that which I take most joy in of anything in the world, viz., my fidelity to Christ, which appeared not only in that he every day ran the hazard of death for Christ, but in that he was every day ready to die, to Tim. 4 6. Gamma Gamma Rho Delta Eta Sigma Pi Nu Delta Omicron Mu Alpha Iota, I am now offered up. He speaks of it as done, not only because it was near, but because he had made himself ready to be sacrificed for Christ whenever he should call him to it. Genesis 22 9, 10 Abraham was prepared, had made all things ready to sacrifice his son, and therefore, though he was hindered from doing of it, yet the Lord accepted of it, and spoke of it as done, there. 16, James 2 21. Even when the cross seems far off, much more when it is in view, you must be preparing for it, if you be Christians indeed, and the Lord will take your readiness to bear it for a bearing of it, when he sees good to prevent it. A man that is ingenuous, if his friend have made all things ready to entertain him, though he come not, will take it as kindly as if he had partaken of the entertainment. Christ will resent your faithfulness to him, as if you were always bearing the cross for his sake, if you be always preparing for it. 
If you be still loosening your hearts more and more from the world, your relations and enjoyments, if you be still dragging the flesh, with its affections and lusts, unto the cross, still fortifying your souls against a day of trial, still crucifying the world, and crossing your carnal and worldly inclinations, it may be the cross you expect will not be laid upon you, but whether it be or no, you shall not lose the reward of those who are faithful in bearing it, because you are as ready to do it as those that are actually under it. Christ looks on you as taking up the cross, because you are so ready to take it up, whereas those who mind it not, prepare not for it, put the thoughts of it far from them, they are so far from bearing the cross before it come, as they are never like to touch it, though it may be heavy on them, as becomes the followers of Christ. They are like to deal unworthily with Him. It speaks actual undergoing it when it is laid on us. The followers of Christ, whether the cross be far off, or whether it be near, they must make account of it, resolve on it, prepare for it. There is no bearing the cross without these, these are included, and are, as it were, some offers added at a distance. But when the Lord brings it to us, we must actually take it up. He is no disciple for Christ that will not do it. He whose heart is so linked, glued to his relations and outward enjoyments, that he cannot tell how to part with them, who must have the flesh pleased and gratified in its inclinations and desires, who must have the ease and plenty and respect and favor of the world, he is not of a temper fit for a Christian, he is not for Christ's turn. He will not own him for a disciple who will not endure the cross, whatever it be, when he is called to it. But when are we called to take up the cross? Why, when it cannot be avoided without sin, then are you clearly called to it. When you cannot shun the cross without dishonoring Christ, deserting his cause, or betraying his interest, or denying his truth, or declining his way, or transgressing his will one way or other, then are you called to show yourselves disciples by taking up the cross. When this dilemma is before you, either you must suffer or sin, if, then, you decline suffering, whatever it be, you are unworthy the name of Christians. And so I have explained the object, and showed what is meant by the cross, and the act as to the substance of it, what is meant by bearing. Let me inquire a little into the manner, how does he who is a Christian bear the cross? He endeavors to bear it. 1. Patiently. That while the cross oppresses his outward man, he may possess his soul in patience. Not the patience of the Stoics, a senseless stupidness, nor the patience of the heathen, a mere yielding to necessity, but a due sense of the pressure, with a quiet submission to the hand of God, whoever be the instrument, without murmuring, repining, disquietment, or despondency. Good is the word of the Lord, though that word bring a real cross. So the judgment submits, takes it kindly that it is no worse, Isaiah 39 8, accepting the punishment of their iniquity. So the will submits, as knowing it may be from sin, though it be for Christ too. And the inward man being thus possessed does influence the outward, Leviticus 10 3, Psalms 39 9. This is to bear the cross, so as to come after Christ, to tread in his steps, to imitate him who was led as a lamb to the slaughter and see, 1 Peter 2 21, 23. He that follows Christ in bearing the cross will let patience have its perfect work, James 1 4. The perfect work of patience is its most eminent act, i.e., a submissive but resolute perseverance, holding out, and bearing up, notwithstanding the sharpness, the tediousness, the variety of crosses and calamities. That you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, i.e., defective in no part, in no grace, which is requisite to a soul that is entirely Christian. It is a perfection of parts here spoken of. When a Christian has all the graces of the Spirit in exercise, he has all the parts of a Christian, and having all his parts, 
he is entire, and so is wanting in nothing necessary to his Christian constitution. But if patience be wanting, he wants a necessary, an essential part, and so is not entire and complete. And therefore as you have other graces, so be sure you get also the grace of patience. This is essential to a disciple of Christ. If this be not exercised under the cross, you bear it not as Christians, you do not come after Christ in bearing it. Patience is the noblest piece of valor, that which those who have been most cried up for their valor in the world have not attained to, they were indeed daring rather than valiant. True valor appears more in bearing pressures and sufferings without disturbance, than in attempting dangers or encountering difficulties. The world places valor in a resolute attempting of dangers, the scripture places valor in patient enduring of sufferings. 2 Tim. 2.13, Kappa Alpha Kappa Omicron Pi Theta Eta Sigma Omicron Nu. Endure patiently the cross, so shalt thou show thyself an excellent soldier, Sigma Kappa Alpha Lambda Sigma Sigma Tau Rho Alpha Tau Iota Tau Eta Sigma. He is a good soldier that will follow his leader close, whatever come of it. So doth he follow Christ who runs after him with patience, Hebrews 12 1, 2. He that endures the cross with patience, runs after Christ, follows him closely. He endeavors to bears it cheerfully. That which is bearing the cross here is taking up the cross, chap. 9. Now, to take up the cross, imports not only a patient bearing of it when it is laid upon us, but also a ready and voluntary undergoing it. Christ bore his cross willingly, Simon of Cyrene was compelled to bear that cross. Christ would have us come after him, imitate him, bear it as he did. It should not be a forced, but a voluntary act. Not that we are to pull crosses upon ourselves, as some of the primitive martyrs did, whom yet we should not censure, because we know not by what spirit they were acted, but we should cheerfully undergo it, when the Lord imposeth it. When the honor and interest of Christ requires it, we should take up the cross as we would take up a crown. We should receive it as a gift, to you it is given. We should meet it with joy, look on it as our glory, gal. That cross may denote not only the sufferings which Christ endured for him, but also those sufferings which he endured for Christ, for in these he gloried, Romans 5 3, 2 Corinthians 7 4, Pi Epsilon Rho Pi Epsilon Rho Iota Sigma Sigma Epsilon Omicron Mu Alpha Iota. He was more than full, he did more than overflow with joy, it did run over into glorying in all his tribulations. We may glory in them as in a triumph, the greatest occasion of joy and glorying in this world, Romans 8:37. We may glory in them as our happiness, a greater happiness than all the victories and triumphs in the world can afford us, being the beginnings and pledges of an eternal triumph in heaven, Matt. 5. When those who suffer for Christ sink into sorrow, dejection, despondency under the cross, they deal unworthily with Christ, they show themselves no way worthy to bear his name, Matt. 1038. He endeavors to bear it fruitfully. The cross is dry wood and Zobus Aaron's rod, but as that blossomed, so does this bring forth fruit, when improved, Hebrews 12:11. It is no miracle for honey to be found in the carcass of this lion, the goodness of God has made it ordinary, the promise of God gives assurance of it, and this puts the followers of Christ upon seeking the sweet fruits of peace and holiness in the bowels of devouring calamities, to get spiritual gain and advantage by outward loss, to grow richer unto God by worldly impoverishment, to converse more with God when separated from friends and relations, to value more the love of Christ when they smart by the world's hatred, to partake more of holiness when he partakes less of the ease, peace, plenty of the world, to make use of the cross for the crucifying of the flesh, to make sin more hateful and dreadful, the conscience more tender, 
the world less tempting, more contemptible, grace more active and lively, the word more sweet and effectual, prayer more fervent and affectionate, the appearing of Christ more lovely and desirable, the conversation more heavenly. To bear the cross as a disciple of Christ, is to bring forth more fruit in bearing of it. So much for explication, we shall confirm this truth by these three propositions. I, the cross is the ordinary lot of Christians. 2. A Christian cannot ordinarily avoid the cross without sinning against Christ. 3. He that will ordinarily sin against Christ to avoid the cross, cannot be a Christian. This being proved, it will appear an evident truth, that he that doth not, will not, bear the cross, is not, cannot be a Christian. (laughs) Oh, <laughs>